On this edition of the Parent-Teacher Conference Podcast, we continue our discussion on my reflections of my trip to Disney over the Christmas break. On this episode, I dive in a little more on the Disney experience, looking how each cast member plays a vital role in creating a great experience for their guests. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on Fan School. Welcome to your parent teacher conference, where a 24 7 parent and full time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host. I'm glad that you took some time out of your schedule to take a listen. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you do... I would love it if you share this out with friends, if you saw it on Twitter, if you can retweet it, if you saw it on Facebook, to share it, or just tell a friend, hey, go on Spotify, go on Apple Podcasts and type in the Parent-Teacher Conference. It's a great listen. I, and I, I do appreciate when people reach out to me by email, and you can do that too. My email is ptcpodcast411, all one word, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P as in parent, T as in teacher, C as in conference, podcast411 at gmail.com. You can follow my educational thoughts on a more daily basis by following me on Twitter. And my handle is CoachCullen411. Again, all one word. So if you didn't listen to the first podcast in this series... I am talking about reflections on my family's trip to Disney over Christmas break. And on the first episode, I discussed how there's a constant feeling in a world of change that Disney offers. If you went to Disney World in Florida in the 80s and you went today, Main Street is still the same. There are different rides, but there's some similarities, some constant in how we need that routine, that constant in a world of change. And then... We talked about how Disney tries to pursue perfection, presenting, like in, on, again, on Main Street, something that really never existed, so tranquil and so clean and so pristine. But yet, in that strive for perfection, they found excellence. That's why so many people go every year to Disney World, and we can do the same as both parents and teachers. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to take a listen. Hopefully you get some nuggets of wisdom out of it. Today, we're going to look at how the cast members, remember this is what Disney calls their employees, from the person on the stage doing a show like the Indiana Jones action show at Hollywood Studios, 
to the person behind the cash register at the Emporium on Main Street. They are all cast members. And the visitors to their parks, they are guests. So we're going to talk about what seems to be the Disney way of treating their guests at the park and what that can teach us as parents and as teachers. Now, I found this online. It's Disney's seven service guidelines. And whoever, I don't know if Disney does it like this or this author wrote it up like this, but they did it in a way that will help you remember it because it each service guideline is connected to one of the seven dwarfs. So here it is. I got this from a website called DisneyAtWork.com. So the seven Disney seven service guidelines. Be happy. Make eye contact and smile. Now, do we do that as teachers? Or do we seem like we're generally happy? Do we make eye contact with our students? Do we smile? That's one I, I'm not a great smiler. It's one of the biggest knocks my students have said to me since year one. You should smile more. And I just don't. But at the same time, if, I think if you ask my students, is Mr. Cullen generally happy? I, I, I think they would say yes. Number two, be like Sneezy. Greet and welcome every guest. Spread the spirit of hospitality. It's contagious. So I, that's a good one, right? When students come into your classroom, are we greeting them? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel like you're going to go, not totally 100% out of your way for them, but in little ways? Or do they feel like they're welcomed into your classroom? So be like Sneezy, greet and welcome every each and every guest. Don't be bashful, seek out guest contact. That's a, that's, that's a good one, right? If you see a kid is in the dumps, are you saying, hey, is everything okay? If you realize there's something different in your demeanor, don't be bashful. Seek out guest contact. Or if you see a kid in the hall, especially like the first days of school, and they look clueless, you know that look. They don't know where to go. Hey, do you need help? Instead of the kid finally, you know, they're probably embarrassed. They, they don't know you. They're shy. But maybe all, you, all they need is you saying, hey, do you need some help? So don't be bashful. Seek out guest contact. Be like Doc. Provide immediate service recovery. You know, this I, provide immediate service recovery. So if something goes wrong, I'm thinking like a remedy. Like, for example, not this time, but the last time we went to Disney World, it was the summer. My wife was wearing a pair of sandals she had just bought for the trip, actually. And we were stepping on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. It's, it's like a boat ride. And the water isn't that deep. So as she was stepping in, her sandal fell off. And before either of us had a chance to reach down and grab it, it was gone. So the cast member that was there said, tell a cast member when you get off the ride that you lost your sandal. Now, we thought there was some way they could retrieve it, but that's not what happened. When we got off the ride and we explained what happened, the cast member wrote up a ticket for her to go into any Disney shop and to purchase a new pair of sandals. I forget how much they gave her. Now, now they didn't have to offer anything. And I think it was a good, somewhere between $30 and $50 was what they gave her for her losing her sandal. So that I guess that is like a remedy. You know, be able to give a remedy for problems like that. She's probably not the first person that happened to. They're 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 ready for it. 
Number five, don't be grumpy. Always display appropriate body language at all times. That's again, are, are we projecting that we want to be in the classroom? Because if we're not looking like we want to be in the classroom, our students aren't going to want to be in the classroom. Number six, be like sleepy. Create dreams and preserve the magical guest experience. You know, they always say that Disney cast members can provide magic moments for people. So my daughter, it was her birthday around the last time we went. So she got the little badge or you can go into town hall and she get yet you get a button that says um my birthday and i think it was like her like her 10th birthday she went to club cool which is an epcot it's where you can try out all these different coca-cola products from around the world and you can get like coke and things and they had the like the slushy version of coca-cola so one of the workers in club cool noticed my daughter had the birthday badge on and gave her a free coca-cola slushy again creating a you know doing something out of your way that you don't necessarily have to do but you do it just to make their guests stay a little better are we doing that in the classroom are we doing special little things every so often just to make a kid's day a little better they're going to remember that and they're going to be drawn into more what you're talking about what your topic is if they know that you're Carry that you want to be there, that you're providing them grace at times if they don't get an assignment done on time. When they realize that they're that you're not just invested in what you're teaching, but you're invested in them, they're gonna to want to hear what you have to say on your topic. For me, it's it's knowing what I want to say on history. And number seven, don't be dopey, thank each and every guest. You know, it's okay. You you can say thank you to a child. You, you know, the hardest thing to do is apologize. I've done it. You know, I've gone up to students and say, no, I never should have done that. I apologize. I shouldn't have reacted that way. And again, it makes you real. It makes, you know, that's the one thing I don't like about leaders, like even in government, they never apologize. They never at fault. It's, it's amazing. No political leader ever does anything wrong, at least in their eyes, or at least they never admit it. And it's so annoying because it's not life. Nobody's perfect. You'll project weakness. No, you'll be real. And I think our world needs more of that. Now, other things I know Disney does, they, they can't say they don't know something. Like if you ask them, hey, how do I do this? And the cast members knew, and they're like, oh, I don't know. They have to put you to somebody who would know the answer. And they can't point. Walt Disney thought it was very rude when people point with one finger. So... If you were to ask, if you're at the Pirates of the Caribbean and you wanted to get to the Winnie the Pooh ride over in Fantasyland, and you say, how do I get to that? The cast member is not going to go with one finger, go that way. They're going to use two, three fingers. In fact, when you walk into Disney World and you see the statue of Walt Disney with his arm around Mickey, you'll see him pointing out to the, to the rest of the world, right? And you'll see he has two fingers up, not one pointing pointing out. And I got to be honest, I point all the time with one finger. And if, if people think it's rude, I'm not trying to be rude. It's just, um, I, you know, the, you know, we say the one thing you don't, shouldn't do is like, if you're mad at somebody, point at them. And I, I do that too. And it just, that just 
ramps up the anger from the other side. I got to stop doing that. I mean, I don't do it a lot. You know, and the one thing I'm thinking about here when I think about the ca- how the cast creates an experience, and I said this as, you know, as a teacher, what kind of experience am I giving my students? You know, for me, I always talk about that a lot of how I teach and go about my practice deals with my religious faith, my Christianity. Every child is made in the image of God and is deserving of my effort and my best. And that's what I try to give them. And I think part of giving your effort and your you know, giving them good effort, giving them your best effort, is is doing things that they necessarily, you know, trying to get them to do things or promote good behavior and disciplining them when they don't. Looking the other way at bad behavior isn't loving. It's apathy. To tell a child you should not be speaking up in class, you should not be pushing against that other child, you know, you're going to lose a privilege, like going out for recess. There's nothing wrong with that. To allow misbehavior in your classroom, or even as a parent, just excusing misbehavior in your home. It, you know, yes, it doesn't show love to whoever the victim is. That's obvious. It shows you don't care about them. But it also doesn't show love to the perpetrator. Because, again, like I said, it's just apathy. It shows you don't care. I didn't really want to turn this into a classroom management talk, so I'm going to end it there, but I think that's accurate. I'll end it with this. When we discipline a child for misbehavior, we are demonstrating love and care for them because they matter to us. We, like I always tell my children, I want you to be the best you ever. And you can't be the best you ever if you're just angering people and you're rude to them and you're acting like you don't care about them, which a lot of misbehavior among kids really is. I mean, I talked about in the beginning how those seven service guidelines for Disney should be employed by teachers, but I think we should be employing those things towards kids. We should tell kids, here, this is a good standard to live up to, how to treat other people well. I mean, the whole do unto others as you would have them do unto you is a great, the golden rule is a great way to live life in terms of treating other people well. And it shouldn't be dependent upon how they treat us. Now, I'm not saying that if you have a problem, somebody is just a big problem for you, you shouldn't avoid them. And in fact, that might be part of them changing for the better. What I'm saying is if we all thought about the other guy, other gal first, the world would be a better place, wouldn't it? I think that's why all the religions have the golden rule in it to some, in some way or another, right? You know, one thing I tell my, my children, and I've said this to my students as well, especially in this age of social media where you can hide behind the screen and lash out at people. Just because you can say it, should you say it? Or just because you can do it, should you do it? I think that's a great question we need to ask. Is there a reason to ramp up a disagreement? Uh, I'm just in a situation 
within the last few weeks where I came to that I came to that crossroad where how I respond to there was a critique of me that was sent to me. And I didn't think it was fair. I could have made a great argument why the person delivering the critique was wrong. I could have said a lot of things to them. But I had to step back and ask myself, for what point? What, I'm, what, do, I, what do I really want here? Do I want an escalation? Is it, is it a necessary escalation? I think there's sometimes that it is. If my job was on the line, I believe, and I, I felt the, the critique was wrong, I would make a stand and I would say, no, you are wrong and here is why. I, you know, that would be a, you should, you know, you can say it and you should say it moment. But in this situation, I was like, what do I get out of it? What do, what do all, actually not even what I get out of it, what do we all get out of it if I step up here? And I make a I make a stand, nothing, just bitterness for like no purpose because it was, it wasn't a big deal in the greater scheme of things. This wasn't a big deal. So when I responded to the person with the critique, I just said, okay, thank you, I appreciate that, and um, I'll think it through. Not that I didn't think it through. I wasn't lying at all. But I didn't want to escalate the moment. I didn't feel there was a ne- was necessary. And that's what I mean by you can say it, but should you say it? You can do it, but should you do it? There is a dividing line. You know, within liberty, we also have to realize there is responsibility for the good of society as well. It's a balance. We have individual liberty, but at the same time, we realize we're one part of the greater society. So yes, we have the liberty to say and do what we want as long as it doesn't infringe on other rights, people's rights. But should we do it? Should we say it? What is going to happen to our community around us by doing that? What does it project about us if we behave in that way or we speak rudely all the time? What does it say about us? Just because we can say and do it doesn't mean people have to accept it either. I mean, if you have the liberty to say and do what you please, then another person has the liberty to avoid you and not want to be a part of it, right? So I want to end with this, this idea. So Disney, their cast members does do a great job of presenting to their guests moments because they really emphasize the customer experience. They realize how much money you're spending there. They realize for some families, this could be the first and only time they get the Disney experience. And Disney places a heavy emphasis on their all their cast members to be at their best, to make it a wonderful experience. What are we doing in our communities outside of Disney? The people we come in contact with, our family, our friends, our acquaintances. If you're a teacher at school, if you're a parent at home. What are we doing to make the experience of those around us a little bit better? You know, the world presents with bad things happening, chaos, unpredictability. In how we behave, are we adding to that, to that side of the ledger? Or are we presenting the people around us 
with something a little bit different, something a little better. What, what do you want to be known as? Adding to the problems or adding to the goodness? And lastly, what are we teaching our children? Are we teaching them, again, the same thing? Where, you know, ask your students, ask your children, where do you want to be? How do you want to be perceived? How, what do you want, what do you, how do you want to make your mark in the world? I mean, to kids, yeah, they, they're, their potential is a lot wider. And as we get older, that potential starts shrinking down. I have a very limited, very, very limited potential ever to be president of the United States. My daughters have a wider potential to be one. Not that they're going to be president of the United States. Now, we all have these dreams when we're kids. I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. It didn't happen. For some people, it did. But we're all going to make a mark in the world. Some are going to be greater than others. Some are going to be in history books. We're all going to make a mark in the world while we're here. What do you want your mark to be? It kind of draws me back to Ted, Dead Poet Society when Mr. Keaton, the first day he's in the classroom, and he tells him about poetry and why poetry is important. He, re- reads the, he quotes the Whitman poem, and he says, The powerful play goes on, and you shall contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on and you shall contribute a verse. What will your verse be? And I think, again, we should emphasize to our children that same concept. Do you want to add to the chaos, the problems, the unpredictability of this world? Or do you want to be on the side of presenting goodness to others? to making their lives just a little bit better because that's something we all are in control of. Thank you for joining me on the Parent-Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply. <laughs>